Now entering Nerdist.com. Mission Log Supplemental, number three. The one with Bobby Clark, a.k.a. The Gurn. And now, ladies and gentlemen, a special message from the Gorn Ambassador. Which, of course, translates to welcome to another episode of the Mission Log Supplemental Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. How are you, Ken? <coughs> you, you, I, wait, I'm uh, doing you, okay. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> okay. Oh, just a hairball? Is that all it was? I don't know. Just, you know, hang on one second. Column. Column. I think I'm good now. Hey, your Gorn is spot on. I didn't realize you were bilingual. I'm, you know, it's 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 a little of that. It's a little of the Shire. A little of the Shire sneaking in there. Got you know something for everybody. Right. Well, the reason that uh, we're all Gornified today is that on this supplemental episode, we have a very special interview. We were pleased to sit down with Bobby Clark who uh, actually has a few Star Trek credits, but he is best known as the man in the lizard suit. I did the episode called The Apple. I did the other episode called Return of the Archons and also the episode Mirror Mirror. And for our audience, could you honor us with uh, your your big moment from Return of the Archons? My big moment your from big Return moment. of the Archons? Yes. That was my big come in where I run up to the director and the camera and spread my arms and holler festival festival <laughs> right so uh, well tell us about how, how you first got called in to do star trek what what, what was the audition what, what was the connection uh tell us about getting that gig well uh, number one i had no audition uh joseph pevany was the director of the show and joe pevany knew me and another stunt man from other shows that we've done. Joe being a director, he knows a lot of stuntmen's, but uh, I'd like to say that uh, that Gary and myself were apparently some of his best because he called on myself and Gary to come and do the, the Gorn thing on there. So that's how I got this show, was because the director asked for me. So now, uh, Arena, we, we that, that's kind of the, the big iconic show, the big iconic role for yes. you. Tell us about the suit, because it just seems like it must have been miserable to be out in the desert, a bunch of hot rocks, and you are covered from head to toe in rubber. Well, this is true. This is true. This is what you were talking about when we were at Vasquez Rocks, right. and we were actually doing the shooting there. Well, number one, we started very early in the morning, and we worked until sun went down. Uh, the suit... Uh, to say because everybody always asks they say you must have been hot in that suit well yeah it was very warm uh the base the base part of the suit was actually a diver's wetsuit and it was quarter inch rubber and on top of that rubber uh pardon me um can't remember his name oh uh wa chang wa chang was the the, the man who put the suit together and did it, built it. And on top of the wetsuit, he installed all this other rubber to do the muscles and, and stuff like that. And it zipped up and everything just like a wetsuit. So that's where it all came from. 
uh, and you figure you got about three and a half to four inches of rubber on top of the the wetsuit. So hot, yes, it was it was very very hot. Not excruciating because, as 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 I say before, the director would 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 call us in when he's ready to shoot. Then we put the the head back on, zip up the 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 tunic and. I go down and I, I do what I have to do for, for the shot. And as soon as he gets the shot, he says, cut. And when he says, cut, then I can walk away, go to my, I call it a perch. I had to stand on a ladder because I couldn't sit down. But then the, the wardrobe man would take the, the head off and unzip the tunic and we could unzip the top part of the wetsuit. And I'm, I'm cool to go. So, little known fact: the the Gorn body was not just Bobby painted green; it, it was actually built up with muscles. <laughs> yeah, I was, oh, oh, was going to say, I'm I'm totally disappointed to hear that that wasn't you. Oh, don't, <laughs> don't <laughs> can I ask you? As, as for makeup, now I did I did have makeup. Really? Yes, I had makeup all around my mouth and my nose and that whole area because when the Gorn made his noise. The mouth opened up, and you could see in there, and they had to paint me black. So, yeah, I, I spent all of uh, a minute in wardrobe. I mean, in makeup. Boy, that was that was tough. What is it? Do you suppose about this episode? I mean, because I mean, the Gordon. I mean, the suit is kind of uh, kind of epic, but. Arena seems to sort of transcend a lot of you know other kind of like villain of the week things like what, like when John and I were watching it for this episode I mean excuse me for Mission Log we both found out that there was a ton of stuff that we had had forgotten about the episode some of the finer details of the episode but everybody remembers uh, the Gorn and Kirk you know going at it on the rocks I mean what what is it do you suppose about this episode that sort of makes it bigger in people's minds than a lot of other uh, than a lot of other episodes. Well, the the thing I I figure that that people have asked me about was how did you like kicking Bill Shatner's, <laughs> you know what? Right. Well, uh, I always tell them I said, well, that was a that was a show and it was an episode, and I've known Bill for a lot of years, even before before Arena. But it, it was kind of it's kind of nice because they ask you, they say, well, boy, you should have did this to him. And well, yeah, but if I'd have done that to him, we wouldn't have had an episode anymore. Star <laughs> Trek, Star Trek would have went to sleep. So I, I just tell him I tell him that. But uh, I tell him, yeah, I felt good to kick his butt. <laughs> and that's because you knew him in real life that it felt good to kick his butt. Is that what you're saying? Well, no, Bill, <laughs> Bill, Bill at that time was really. Yeah, uh, he he was still a working a working man. Now yeah. he's he's a taking it easy type working man. <laughs> <laughs> but he's really working. I mean, you know, you, you look at him; he's he's a very very busy man. So speaking of working and speaking of being busy, um, I, I've noticed that in the last several years you've been going to conventions a lot. 
you know, we see you at Vegas and uh, some of the other Star Trek conventions. It, it, that's a relatively recent thing that you've yes. been doing. And I, I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about that from the actor's perspective. You know, deciding to go do a convention, I'm sure that you have been asked before um, what that experience is like kind of going into it, uh, what your interactions are like with fans. It must just be a, kind of mind-blowing. It, it, it's mind-blowing. It, it, it's been mind-blowing every time I go and, and I do a convention. I don't do a lot of conventions. I do maybe five a year, uh, if I'm fortunate enough to do five. But uh, the, the thing with the conventions is, is I'm, I'm in awe every one I do because of the fans. I just it, It's so hard to, to believe that these people... They, they they work 40 hours a week, make their money and save it so they can go to a convention and 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 buy, thank God for them too, an <laughs> autograph photograph of me and also of the other actors that are there that have played different things. And also they, they, they make their own costumes. Uh, it, it's it's they call them Trekkies. But I call them uh, well. I have to call them Trekkie. But uh, in in my mind, they're they're more than Trekkies. These people, uh, have, I'm a motorcycle enthusiast and a horse enthusiast. So uh, I feel about horses and motorcycles probably not even as much as they feel about people like myself mm-hmm. who've done these parts and and who's worked on Star Trek. But, you know, we're talking about a show that you did more than 40 years ago, 45 years ago plus. Um, when you came back to, you know, talk to fans and they, they want to talk to you in detail about what you did, um, was the recall on that pretty easy? Or do you feel like you had to go back and do the homework to figure out, well, wait, what, what are they going to ask me about? Do the homework? Yeah. I went to grade school to learn again what I did. <laughs> uh, no, no the, the people would ask me, uh, well, you know, how did I get the job? Well, that, that's how I got the job was through Joe Pevity. And uh, it goes on. Uh, I've also told people how I got the costume that, I, that, that, that they had made for me. And... Uh, and, and the little story that went with that when I when I went to do the wardrobe fitting and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, there was there was no no preliminary um, get together with the director and uh, producers because I already knew the director. So uh, there's there's that word you used uh, when you go and talk to them before you work uh, audition. All right, that, there was no audition. But there was an episode at, at the wardrobe department, and uh, Joe Pavaney. It was kind of a kind of a, a funny thing when he says, uh, when he comes up to you and says, "Bobby, I got a job for you. You want to work on it?" I naturally I knew Joe, and he knew I wanted to work for it. But that was that was Joe Pavaney, and I said, "Yeah." He says, "Well, good. I'll call you and let you know what's going on," and that was the end of it for about a week or so. But then he calls me up and he says, be at, uh, be at Desilu Wardrobe at uh, 2 o'clock on Thursday or whatever day it happened to have been. Well, that, that's how I went to Wardrobe and did that. <laughs> that. That was it. And I went and uh, 
couldn't believe what I was getting into because I thought I was going to get into wardrobe. Well, no, I'm, I, I had to get into a creature suit, but it, I had no idea what I was going to do. It didn't matter. We it just do what you do what you hire to do. Well, not that long ago, you uh, you were a guest on a tour that our friend Larry Nemechek uh, was a part of um, at Vasquez Rocks. They they brought out uh, some Star Trek fans and and you walked them through where you shot and kind of all the the location details. Did, did it all? I mean, it, does oh, that, that come back to a, you pretty, pretty easily? A, no, no <laughs> not at all. As you figure, forty years ago. Uh, Vasquez Rocks was Vasquez Rocks, which it is still, but 40 years ago, there were bushes and trees where now there are no bushes and trees. And there are bushes and trees now where there weren't any bushes and trees at that time. <laughs> However, the rocks are still there. Right. So when I, uh, when I was informed that they wanted me to, to uh, come and talk to these people at Vasquez Rocks, uh, the first thing I did was flipped on episode 19 of the arena and started looking to, to, to see because I don't live far from there. Uh-huh. And I do go there on horseback and my wife and I ride. And I'm, I'm familiar with Vasquez Rocks. Now, exactly where this happened and that happened was very, very hard to, to figure out because... Like I said, before when I could walk around a rock, well, there's a lot of bushes there now, and you can't walk around that rock anymore. So uh, that, that, that's what happens on that. But as a rule, most of the places, I, I, I can show them where I would get on my little perch, and the wardrobe man would take the wardrobe off of me. And I do also have some, some photographs that... Uh, the the wardrobe man took while we were shooting this this episode with my cameras and stuff so that also helps to people to see what it was like when we filmed and where they parked now anybody who has seen Vasquez Rocks there's there's one way in and then there's a big parking lot down below and then there's the same way that goes out the road splits there well, it's always made a split there. It's a lot wider now than it used to be. But uh, the whole shooting of the episode was mostly in that in that one big arena, shall we say? Aha, uh-huh, clever. <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> I would think it would actually be... Um... I would think it actually would probably be a bit easier for Shatner to know where he was, though, because, you know, you look for the pile of sulfur and you know he was there. Or you look for the pile of diamonds. I've, I've looked for those diamonds all over, and I could never find them. <laughs> you know, the, the sulfur I didn't care about. Yeah, the well, diamonds, yeah. I wanted, I'd like to have found those. At the very least, they would be good points of reference. And, you know, if you happen to pick up an extra one. Although I guess we shouldn't, <laughs> we shouldn't encourage people to, you know, scour Vasquez rocks for that. Yeah, yeah. It's all one area anyway. You could, if they were there, somebody found them. <laughs> Let me ask you something about um, kind of the 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 thought behind the, the the moral of the story, if you will, um, you must have you, you must have seen the full script before you did the role. I assume. Yes. You know. Yes. I have a script. Okay, and, and 
you know, did you either think about it when you were reading that script or, or afterward, or did you have any discussion with Joe Pevney about kind of the, the philosophy or the morality behind the story? Or were you just there to be in the monster suit? And, and You know, when I, when I came on the show to do the, the, to do the part of the Gorn, it was, it was get in a costume, go there, and, and, and uh, have battle with, uh, with, with Captain Kirk till the death. And, and that, was, that was all it was. It was a job. But somehow, through the years and things, uh, the job didn't really say much to me about what it was I was doing. And you start to think about this, and although I did not work on Cessna, uh, Cessna three or Cessna whatever Cessna it was, the 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 the, the planet that that started this whole mess, uh, I got to thinking about that because fans would come up and and ask about well. What did you do on Cessna? I, I can't think of what Cessna that was. Cestus, uh, was it Cestus 3? I think it was Cestus 3. That's what I thought it there was, Cestus 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, they say, well, uh, what, what was the story about Cestus 3? Well, uh, when, you, when it come down to it and the people saw it, uh, the, uh, the, the Star Trek people, the Confederation, sent people to Cestus Three, and they set up a, a base there. And through what I have found out, that that base was not the, the, the Star Trek's base. Mm-hmm. Uh, although Star Trek set it up, it was not theirs to set up. It belonged to the Gorn. And then there, the Gorn finally got tired of fighting with the with these people and they just said well we've had it we'll get them out and that's that's when the battle began so then from there on the metrons the ones who were at that time so far advanced that uh, they figured well the way to do this was which you you can think about <laughs> it might be a good idea nowadays because get the leader of this country and the leader of that country and put them together in a winner take all, so to speak. Uh, it'd be a rough way to go, I know, but uh, that's 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 what they were. That's what they figured uh, happening was. So they put Kirk on the on the planet and they put the Gorn on the planet, supposedly to fight to the end, the death. And uh, then as the episode went on, Kirk got to thinking that maybe we made a mistake. Well, same thing you can think about today. Maybe we've made some mistakes or somebody's made mistakes. So then uh, that's why he wouldn't kill me. So I am still captain of the Gorns. (laughs) (laughs) We have a, a very astute listener who wrote in after hearing our episode about arena and he said um what if it had played out this way what if at the end 
the Gorn captain actually had the upper hand, and the Gorn captain was the one who had pinned down Kirk and was on the verge of killing Kirk, but it's the Gorn captain who decided to let Kirk live. And instead we show the compassion coming from the alien side rather than from the human side. Would that have been a more Star Trek way to end that episode? I, I, don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't think that would have worked because the Gorn were a whole different species. They, they didn't, their brains didn't think in the way of tomorrow. Let's let's uh, let's wear a raincoat if it rains tomorrow, or or wait till tomorrow and see if it rains. Then we'll put a raincoat on. That's that that's kind of what the Gorn thought. Uh, we think, well, we've got it. We can put it on, and tomorrow is fine. But what's next week? Mm-hmm. So that that that's where we're thinking of. That's why the Metrons told Captain Kirk that he was surprised maybe in a thousand years or so they will be civilized enough to have another communication with the Metrons. Obviously, people are going to concentrate on Arena when they talk to you. But as you mentioned, you were in a few other episodes. I guess what I'm wondering, I mean, both in terms of working and in terms of just watching – what what tends what are your favorite episodes? Oh, uh, boy, boy, boy. Uh, now, I don't think I have a favorite episode. Uh, I like the I like the arena and and, and, and the four I've done. <laughs> well, sure, sure. <laughs> sure. You know, I, I like that every time I get a residual. More and more all the time, which I still get. By the way, they're very very little, but the. Thank God for for the union, I guess. Uh, but uh, I'm I don't know if there's any favorite. I liked them all, but at the time I was not a, a Trekkie and I was not concerned a whole lot about it. It was a job. Mm-hmm. But as the, as the years have gone by, uh, and I have seen the next generation and uh, uh, Farscape. And and all of these sci- I like sci-fi. Uh, I guess you'd call it sci-fi. I I just like that. I like uh, Witchblade and show you know and anything like that. I like. As a matter of fact, I seem to find out that there's more entertainment watching that than there is to watching most of what we see today. That we do have good shows, CSI, NCIS. These are all. These are all shows that that, that I watch, and yeah, fine, okay, good. Mm-hmm. But if there was a good sci-fi movie on or, or something like that, I I have a more tendency to go and watch that because what I see on CSI is what I hear on the radio and see on the news, and it's all the same. It's 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 what I'm living. When I sit down and watch TV, I want to get away from this. That's even though it's, it's for an hour or or whatever. It's it's just I can I can go there and uh, you know see the funny creatures that they have on these sci-fi shows. You actually visited the set of Enterprise 
when they were doing their Gorn episode. You were invited down to uh, to have a look at that, right? Second to last episode, yeah. right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what what do you think of or do you have any thoughts about where Star Trek is today as opposed to where it was when, when you were working on the original series? I don't even think it compares today with, with what, what I did. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was I was in awe and I was overwhelmed to get the invitation to come and watch him shoot that episode. Uh I didn't think much of the Gorn creature. But, uh, you know, there's no business like show business. <laughs> well, so speaking of that, is it just TV? You know, why, why are we sitting here 40 plus years after the show aired and, and still talking about it? Is it just a TV show or is there something kind of more important here? Is it, is it just a TV show? Yeah, you tell me. Well, I can't tell you, but... I would say that uh, there's several million people out there who, if they all got together, they could sure tell you. Individually, were 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 people saying yes and yes and oh, it was great. But it, it seems like the volume would go up with the more people there are, and the volume is is so high. I'm I'm not talking about just in the U.S. I've done shows that. In, in London, I've done shows in, in uh, Australia, I've done conventions in Italy, and uh, I did a show in Bournemouth, UK, Bournemouth, England, and it's funny because I did that show on my birthday a few years ago, and so unexpected that when they introduced me, the people in the audience started Gorn, 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 Gorn. And now I, you know, how, how would you feel coming down there? Can yourself, how would you feel if you went to a, a, a red carpet affair and, and people all around started saying, Ken? Can yeah. I mean it's 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 so you know you're breathless and uh, it it you can tear. That happens to Ken all the time. Oh, he goes to the grocery store and oh. that happens. Oh, well, yeah. Well, God bless you, Ken. Can I get your autograph? Five dollars. <laughs> Five dollars. It's going no, cheap. I, I, it's going I cheap get, for you. I get twenty. That's well. Hey, th- these are friend prices, Bobby. Well, yeah, but I get 20. Of course, they get a photo op with me also. Oh, yeah. No, I don't photograph. And an autograph signed up. Well, you'd give me that for five. No, that sounds all right. Mail it to me and I'll owe you. <laughs> You've spoken to this a little bit, but I just want to ask it again. You know, um, Could I ask you, what do you think it is that the fans see in Star Trek? Or what have you seen over the years in terms of its impact? Is it just television and entertainment? Or do you, some fans see it as more? It's a loaded question. Well, it's loaded, all right. Um, I, I see people that come to these conventions and they're dressed like Star Trek people are dressed. They dressed like other creatures of sci-fi are dressed. I want to 
I want to think that that what is going through their mind is maybe the same thing that goes through my mind. It's a it's a way to get away from what is happening every day here. Although when it's over with, they go home and they face it again. At least for that weekend, they 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 can be somebody else rather than, uh, you know, mowing their lawn or, or something like that for the weekend. They can mow the lawn Monday. And it, 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 it's, how, how, do you, how do you say how they feel? I don't know how they feel, but I can figure that, that, that that's what it's about because they want, they, the, the characters they dress as, they want to, for that little while, they want to believe that they might be that person. There are people who go there as these people, and they get in the contest for the best costumes and stuff like that. And and you can't believe some of these costumes that these people have made. They've made the the, the Borg. Good gosh, that that that's a costume in its own self. And uh, I have posed pictures with the aliens. I've posed pictures with the uh, predators, and and these guys are, you know, they're just they're just great people, and they they're showing what they did. Some of them are dressed as the Gorn. The, you know, there are Gorn people yeah. out there now. You have you seen yeah, any? I have. I yeah, I have a picture. Of the the first time was in Vegas. Uh, a man and his wife came as Mr. and Mrs. Gorn, and I mean, he, Mr. Gorn Elvis. But it was fantastic, and I tell people now, because I I, I give them a hundred dollar bill of Gorn money, and I tell them the Gorn are coming, and if they say, "What do you mean the Gorn are coming?" I can show them these pictures of Mr. and Mrs. Gorn. These people, they 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 are so positive on what they make. And, you know, and so therefore, it's not just when they go to do the convention that they come there as who they are. When they're making that costume, that's who they are. So it, 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 there's more than just walking in there and being who they are. They, they, they work at who they're being. And uh, by the way, we have a show coming up in February, Creation Does, it's called the Grand Slam, and it'll be at the Burbank uh, Marriott Airport Hotel in Burbank, California, in February. <laughs> <laughs> and those autographs are twenty dollars. <laughs> and, and save your money. I'll tell you what. I'll trade you one. <laughs> You'll trade me one. You got it. You got it, Ken. I'll I'll do that. I might even give you a hundred dollar Gorn bill too. Oh, nice! Because I hear the Gorn are coming. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> cool. So, since we are a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, I have to ask you about Gene Roddenberry. Um, what was he like on set? What was he like off set? What was your relationship like with Gene? Uh, Gene Roddenberry. I didn't. I, I didn't know the man that well. I met him probably four times. I met him on the set when he would come down. 
on on one of the shows. I think it was only one show that he, as a matter of fact, that he did come down on, and I think that was uh, for the uh, arena episode. And I did see him once in his office for a, a few minutes, and and I, I I'm kind of well. I don't want to spend too much time when I go into a producer's office because it seems like the dialogue gets gets to be nothing. And why am I there? Well, I was there to say hello to Mr. Roddenberry and to thank him for the opportunity and 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 what and to tell him thank you for for the show because it's, it, it was a good show for me. All the shows were good for me. And uh, that was about as far as my uh, my together with Gene Roddenberry was. Uh, his son, well, he's a very fine person, and he's well, he's just a great person. You know, my favorite part of uh, talking to Bobby it, it's like a festival. 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 <laughs> Good job. Hey, you know what? Uh, when we were done, he, uh, uh, we, we actually watched a little clip of Arena because he had never seen uh, the CGI remastered yeah, Arena. The, so The Blinkengorn. He, he had never seen that. So, uh, so he watched that and he was very impressed. And um, he also said that all of those shots where he was fighting Kirk – um, they were shot without sound. So when they would be close and they'd be struggling with each other and you know, they're in a headlock, order, he was whispering things to Shatner like, I want to kiss you. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was That's awesome. Great. Isn't that cool? Yes. That's, that's, you know, I, I now want to go back and watch Arena again. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, something that I love doing is uh, I love listening to the voicemails. I love reading the feedback that we get from our listeners. And uh, we've got a whole lot of cool stuff to talk about today. So let's jump right into the first voicemail, shall we? Hey, guys. I just wanted to say my name is Dustin Renwand, and I love your show. I love the podcast. I listen to it every week. Um, what I'm, I'm curious about is... How far are you guys going to go with this? Are you guys going to just completely just do the entire series of just the original Star Trek? Or after, say, you know, months down the line, when you guys are done uh, done doing with Star Trek, do you move on to the next generation? Do you move on to the other episodes past the next generation, different series? Are you going to do the original uh, the original movies and stuff like that? Like, I'm just curious where you guys are going to go. Um but yeah, just want to say you guys are awesome. Okay, keep it up. Bye. Thank you for the compliment, by the way. And you ask, how far are we going to go? Are we going to do the movies? Are we going to do the other TV series? And uh, depending, you know, hopefully you've caught us on Facebook and other places because this is a very frequent question. And the answer is yes. Yes. As, yeah. We're going to do the cartoon. As, I mean, we're, 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 we're hardcore about this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty much the idea is anything that is filmed Star Trek that, ah, that is official. Yeah, it's official. Okay, yeah. thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Because you were about to open <laughs> this up to like 28 more years of shows. <laughs> no, no, no. So anything that is officially filmed Star Trek, so the cartoons, 
the spinoff series, the movies, all of that stuff. And, you know, for the most part, we're going to stay in broadcast order. We, we haven't, even as of this recording, we haven't nailed it down yet uh, what our exact order will be. But we want to stay true to the original release order of the shows. So yeah, we'll see. Of course, where that gets difficult is when you have two at once. It gets difficult when you have two series overlapping, and it gets difficult when you have the movies that popped in, yeah. you know, throughout the later run. But I've, I've, I've got ideas. I've got ideas. I we'll also have this. ideas. All right. Well, you and I should talk over our ideas someday, and then we'll do a podcast. Yeah, why not? All right. Behind the mission log, supplemental <laughs> to the supplemental. Uh, yes. There you go. Such a self, is- self-referential, just like nightmare after a while, isn't it? <laughs> um. Hey, I want to read an email here from a listener, um, Maja. I hope I'm saying that correctly, from Germany. She says, I've been a lifelong fan of the more modern Trek shows, but decided that for the sake of completeness, I'd really have to watch TOS at some point. Now I have quite unexpectedly fallen in love with the show. Isn't that nice to hear, Ken? Fallen in love with the show, and I really appreciate your weekly, very respectful analysis of each episode in terms of what it deals with on a philosophical level. I also like your general format and your funny episode summaries. My only complaint is that roughly one hour each week is too short. Hmm. Too short? <laughs> what do you want from us? <laughs> Actually, well, we try to keep it to an hour. Um, do. Doesn't always work. But thank you. That's very, that's very nice of you to say. It is. Um, an hour is plenty for me. <laughs> Well, and, and here's the thing. It, it does take a lot longer than that to prep the episode. We, we have to write those summaries. We have to write our notes, and we watch the episode several times usually. Yeah. Uh, so it, it takes a long time, and we have to make it listenable. Well, yeah, I know? mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's not like it would be more difficult to go longer than an hour. Uh, to me, though, there are a lot of shows, and I'm not talking about Star Trek shows. I'm talking about any kind of show. I know a guy who prides himself on doing a two-and-a-half-hour podcast. He can also pride himself on the fact that I've listened to two whole episodes of his show. Because, I mean, after a while, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think The Hobbit was only two-and-a-half hours. Well, of course, that's only one of the three movies, <laughs> which is a whole other thing for a whole other time. I mean, Gone with the Wind, I don't think is more than two-and-a-half hours, is it? Yeah. It might be. But, yeah, yeah just, you know... I, th- I think an, an hour feels nice. A little bit it, less than an hour actually feels better to me. But It does. And, and here's the thing. If, if and when you guys find me and Ken at Star Trek conventions, stuff like that, um, you know what? Uh, uh, take us out and we will talk to you for like five hours nope. nonstop. Nope. I do one hour. You do it? That's it? And then you're done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. We'll we'll talk forever. Yes. I guess I'm a cheaper date than you. But, come on, uh, come on over from Germany, Maja, and we will uh, we will talk Star Trek to your heart's content. There you go. Actually, and here's why I wanted to uh, thank her uh, very sincerely for her email is that she hit on the two things that we really, really try to do uh, each week, and that is, yeah, we like to have fun with the summary. I, mm-hmm. I like being able to inject a little humor into that. And she used the word respectful. And um, I really appreciate that because that is what we're trying to do here. Even when we are having fun with Star Trek and kind of poking fun a little bit, we want it to be respectful because we are taking it seriously to the extent that we really like this show. Um, so I, I'm glad that people get that, you know? Yes. There you go. I'll do the next one. Okay. Less. 
writes in, Les says, I agree with Ken about how sad it was that we had rotating yeoman instead of Janice Rand. You're wrong, Les. It's very short. It's very <laughs> sweet. It's very to the point. And Les is not wrong. He is correct. He's not talking about – he's not even talking about the romance. He just says it's sad that we don't – Yeah. That we, yeah. Uh, that we just have yeoman of the week. Although lately we haven't even had yeoman of the week. Yeah. That, they kind of drop that, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a little weird. But no, I uh, – we've had a few listeners who have written in about yeoman Rand and uh, everybody likes yeoman Rand. I like yeoman Rand. Yep. My objection was to the idea that that would become a uh, a, a relationship with Kirk. Yes. And it does just feel odd. That's because yeah. you have no heart. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, right. I forgot. Thank you. Um, and then we have another uh, voicemail. Hello, uh, this is Tristan from Alaska calling in about your uh, Mission Log pod. Yeah. I was wondering what are your favorite uh, episodes or episode from each of the Star Trek series, like from the original series to Star Trek Enterprise. And what term do you prefer, Trekkie or Trekker? Just uh, thank you, and I love your show. Keep doing it. Thanks for all the hard work you guys do. Would it be cheating to say all of them? <laughs> yes, it's cheating. Really? <laughs> yeah. How about all of them except Miri? Oh, hey, good call. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's been. I mean, I haven't seen every episode. First of all, so there's no way I could say which one is my favorite without having seen every episode. But even the ones that I have seen, I've seen so long ago. Like I went back recently. I think inspired by the interview that we did uh, on the last supplemental with Robert J. Sawyer. I went back recently and watched um, Measure of a Man, mm, mm-hmm. and um, I love it, and I know I, I've seen it before, but I really didn't have any memory of it before I went back and watched it again. I mean, like, yeah. none. Like, it, it surprised me how little I remembered <laughs> about the yeah. episode. So, um, you know, talk to us in 14 years. Yeah, I, I I don't want this to be a cop out, but I I kind of have the same answer that you do. Um, since we're going in order mm-hmm. and and starting with the original series, I, I love being reminded of how much I love those episodes. And season one of the original series, it starts off with a bang. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that we've only had one real clunker, Miri, in the first twenty four episodes so far that we've done as of this recording. It's pretty awesome. That is a great track record. Yeah. Um, and, and I find so many things that I, I just feel very passionate about in those shows. So I'm kind of looking forward then to rediscovering my favorites in Next Gen and, yes, Voyager and Enterprise and, and DS9. Um, so I, I don't want to not answer your question, Tristan. Uh, we've had a few standouts so far. Like Corbomite Maneuver. Yeah. Um, I think uh, you and I both really liked uh, Return of the Archons and, um, oh, uh, Taste of Armageddon, uh, very provocative shows. And um, most recently doing um, This, this Side, Side of Paradise, Paradise. which yeah. I, don't, I don't even know if This Side of Paradise has aired yet by the time when people hear this. <laughs> We've recorded This Side of Paradise. I don't know if it's actually gone out in the feed yet. Yeah. Because the supplementals kind of hit when they hit, whereas you know the the, the weekly mission logs, uh, well, they're weekly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, they are. But yeah, we had a. Uh, I don't know that I would say that I had fun 
with this side of paradise. <laughs> I would say we had fun with this side of paradise. It's a great, yeah. yeah spoiler alert: we think it's a great episode, but uh, we we have very different takes. So, and, and and who can forget all the fun we had with um, what are little girls made of? Oh. Yeah, that's, yeah. you know, we talk about T-shirts, we talk about Cool as Kirk. And by the way, I cannot remember who, who sent it. Oh, and I should have checked this, except I didn't think we were going to talk about it. We got three fun T-shirt designs um, from a listener. Oh, and I wish, can you dig it up in in, uh, in Twitter while I'm talking about what they are? Because I can't do oh, I'm, both things I, at I'm once. I'm digging it up. You All right. better believe it. Yeah. Um, and they were the things that we have joked about. Well, two of them were things that we had joked about. And one was in one of the listener feedbacks we got from somebody else whose name I can't think of um, talking about the fact that Bones, Kirk, and Spock are um, ethos, pathos, and logos. Right. And that might actually be how they stack up. It might be Bones is ethos, uh, Kirk is pathos, and Spock is logos. I think you're right. Um, yep. some, somebody sent us a t-shirt of that. Like, yeah. like them on the transporter in silhouette with their labels, uh, ethos, pathos, and logos on the bottom, which was awesome. But then the other two were the things that we had joked about making a T-shirt, uh, Cool as Kirk, with a great graphic. Right. And, uh, and my personal favorite, except <laughs> I, I, need a, I need a no symbol through it, um, Carbon Chauvinist. It's got the yes. carbon atom across the top and then Chauvinist in the Star Trek font across the – the TOS font across the bottom. And I guess the next-gen yeah. font too. Um, the only thing is, I mean, I'm I'm sort of against the carbon chauvinism because you know I I do plan to inhabit an IBM Selectron at, at some point. <laughs> you do, or something along those lines in my future. So you know, down with carbon chauvinism, but up with the T-shirt ideas. And thank you very yeah. much for uh, thank you very much for sending those in. Uh, those from a Twitter follower, uh, Kaiser the Great. Kaiser the Great. Oh, how could I forget that? And you are great. Thank yes, you. Thank, thank you. you for those. Thank you, so. Kaiser TG. Coming soon to a T-shirt shop near you. Probably not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, the, the other question here from Tristan was, do you prefer Trekkie or a Trekker? You know, I remember hearing years ago that it was supposed to be Trekker. And then everybody says, no, it's Trekkie. It's Trekkie. It's Trekkie. And I've been hearing for years it's Trekkie. And just recently I've heard Trekker again. I uh, am I am fine with Star Trek fan. Yeah. That's, that's honestly, you know, oh, you like Star Trek? Yes, I do. Are yeah. you a Trekkie? I don't know. Are you going to get offended if I don't say I'm a Trekker? Right. Because it feels like half the time it feels like that could be a trap. Yeah. I, you know, this could go into a whole other very, very long discussion about fans and, and sort of that inter-fan uh, uh, discussion and debate and all of that stuff. That, that is a whole other thing. I, you know, my take on it is somebody started the term Trekkie. And it was cool for a while. And then when it wasn't cool, somebody said, oh, no, 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 no. We're better than that. We're Trekkers. And you know what? At this point, call me whatever. Call, call me Trekkie. Call me Trekker. Star Trek fan, I think, is great. Yeah. Um, so. I, I am a member of the Federation. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, hey, here's an email from uh, Lou Dalmaso. He says, I view Kodos, this is going back to uh, Conscience of the King, I view Kodos a lot like I do Pontius Pilate, more a victim of circumstance than mustache-twirling evil. You can imagine how popular I must be in Sunday school. It's odd, given that Kirk's background with Kodos, he could harbor a sneaking admiration for Khan. I would imagine, quote, I offered the world order, end quote, would be a sentiment Kodos would agree with. Um, yeah. yeah, nice, nice comment there. All uh, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> agree. If, if you say so. 
Well, I, here's the thing. I, I, I agree with him to the extent I remember in that I know episode. You do. Yeah. Uh, I, in that episode, I said something about um, there being a little buildup of uh, oh gosh, sympathy is the wrong word, but we're supposed to have some kind of understanding of Kodos, right? Not not to the extent that we forgive what he did, but we do humanize him a bit. So I, I kind of clue into what Lou is saying here. And then uh, with Khan, yeah, I mean, Khan's kind of cut from the same cloth. I, you know, pass. <laughs> okay. I, well, I mean, I have no sympathy. I mean, look, I understand admiring Khan. I mean, it is, as they explained around the table, to Spock. Or mm-hmm. as Spock did the following week and um, A Taste of Armageddon when he was fine with the computer. When he was, you know, didn't agree, but he sort of, you know, admired Mm-hmm. Um, what was going on there? Um, Khan, there there are reasons that you would admire him, I and mean, he is the best that humanity has to offer, except for the part where you know he's evil and right. wants to rule everybody. I mean, he's strong, yeah. he's smart, he's handsome, he's got a weird accent for being from India, but okay, let's roll with it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I did I didn't get that off Kodos at all. But you know, whatever we we can't cool. we can't go back and re-argue conscience no. of the king can we've got so much other stuff to argue and re-argue we do why not, speaking of which yeah. why don't you uh, read our next mail me yeah do it all right uh with the chance of overgeneralizing the opinions you express on your show i feel like you guys totally gang up on spock allow me to elaborate when i view spock as a character i see him as complex with an internal struggle that he is dying to keep in How you guys talk about him on the show is as if he is set in his ways and whenever he contradicts himself, whether acting too human in some regards and then too Vulcan in others, you seem to attack it as a flaw in his character development. I see it as an opposite. I think that what makes Spock such an iconic character is that we see him fight his duality within himself or this duality within himself. Excuse me. So, guys, what's the deal? What do you personally think about Spock that I sent some residual feelings coming through in your show and uh, that is signed Molina. Um, I kind of want to pass again. Is that wrong? Really? I don't. Uh, I don't remember ever bashing Spock. I remember um, wondering sometimes whether Star Trek itself is indicting the Vulcan way. Yeah. And Spock, personally, I don't have a. I don't have a problem with, and it's it's it tends to be the the sort of Vulcan superiority that. Um, you know, comes shining through in the Enterprise series um, or, or my human response to the Vulcan superiority. My assumption, though, is that Star Trek itself is sort of indicting the Vulcan way because we keep having Kirk decide very human things. Mm-hmm. He's not governed by logic and he's the best. He's what the fourth most decorated or one of the most decorated people in Starfleet. Right. He's very human and he keeps, you know, keeps doing his human stuff and he ends up being uh, sort of the the thing at the uh, he's the bright shining light that you yeah. know sort of lights everybody else's way so as far as Spock himself my god I love Leonard Nimoy I mean I think you know as an actor he's fantastic um, and as a character Spock is just is just wonderful sometimes the writing around him gets a little lazy but that's because you're not dealing with one guy and one guy's vision all the way through. You start with Gene Roddenberry's vision, but then it gets handed off to who knows how many people over the next 40 some odd years. Right. So I don't know. Does that sound fair? 
Yeah, totally. And I'll just kind of piggyback on what you're saying. I mean, I, I love Leonard Nimoy and I love Spock. And mm-hmm. I think that Spock breaks out as probably the most interesting and the most complex character in, well, it, definitely in the original series and maybe all of Star Trek um, for a lot of reasons. And and the thing that I like about his character and the idea that we do have these things to kind of pick apart and debate and what is good about the Vulcan way, what's bad about the Vulcan way, what's good about Spock's decisions, what maybe is bad about Spock's decisions, is that, you know, unlike maybe this perception that Star Trek is constantly trading in the the ideal of humanity and the perfection of humanity, I feel like we use Spock to kind of allow us to see see the good and the bad to see the the positive and the negative sides of humanity and um uh kind of use him as a vehicle for that very often in the show so he's critical dramatically but he's also critical to the humanity of the show even though he's not human but star trek does that very well it takes the non-human character and lets us see humanity through that yeah. um i'll i'll so I'll be uh-huh. honest. I think I've been harder on Kirk than I have been on Spock. I've been harder. Mm-hmm. I've been mm-hmm. harder on the Vulcans than I've been on the humans. But I think I've been harder on Kirk than I have been on Spock. Well, because ultimately Kirk makes the decision that decides the day. Right. Spock is just there to kind of offer up the logical alternative. I think. Wh- I th- you know. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, as I say, you know, whether Kirk goes with that or not. You I, know? I think we all agree, though. We do hate Scotty, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think we haven't had enough Scotty yet. I'm oh, getting. I love Scotty. I Some know. of my best friends are – well, that doesn't really work. But you get the idea. Yeah. But Melina, no, no, no. There is no Spock hate from from our side here. I think the thing that, uh, Ken, you and I love about doing the show, one of the many things we love about doing the show is that we get to be thoughtful and analytical and serious about it when it calls for it. And if a character does something a little weird or that doesn't hold up, we get to call him out on it. Yeah. Um, but it, that in no way takes away from our appreciation of either the actors, the writers, whatever. Uh, so big, big Spock fan right here. The times that we ask for comments and say we may use them on a future episode of Mission Log or a supplemental Mission Log, it would go just like that. And now you're wondering, well, how do I get my comments in too? Well, you can reach us on Facebook, Skype, and Twitter at the handle Mission Log Pod. So on Facebook, it would be facebook.com slash Mission Log Pod. And, you know, Twitter, do the Twitter thing. And Skype, do the Skype thing. Or you can call us, 323-522-5641. 323-522-5641. You can email us at missionlog at roddenberry.com. Missionlog at roddenberry.com. And just like the people you heard before, we may use one of your comments on a future episode of the Mission Log. Once again, Ken, you have crystallized my thoughts to perfection. So thank you, everybody, for listening, and we hope to hear from you soon. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 